Hi, everyone. I'm Devin McDonald, a partner at OpenView, where I spend a lot of time talking to both aspiring and serial board members. This season on Build, we're talking about the journey to the boardroom. Each week, I'll speak with executives who will share their unique stories and insights to help you either consider what type of persona to bring onto your board if you're a CEO, and or help you think through what your path will be to get to the boardroom as an independent director. Now, on with the show. Today, we're joined by Bill Welch, who was most recently the CLO and president of Duo Security. Over the course of his career, he has held executive sales and GM roles with Symantec, HP, and he was the COO of Zscaler for a number of years, right through their IPO in early 2018. As of this month, Bill has actually joined the board of Logical, one of OpenView's portfolio companies. Bill, thank you so much. So excited to have you here today. Thank you. So I want to talk about the early days of your career. This is my favorite question that I ask at the start of all the podcasts. I want to hear about what you thought you were going to be when you grew up. Yeah, and I think it's a really good question, Devin. I will tell you that I really don't think I've grown up yet. I'm still (laughs) in the posture of learning. But, you know, in my early formative years, I wanted to be either a Wall Street trader or a lawyer. And I will tell you, after looking at both of those professions, first on the Wall Street trader one, I just couldn't see myself living in New York. I had opportunities to talk with people up there. And I just said, you know, I don't know if this is really the lifestyle that I want. And then after sitting for the LSATs and seeing what law school was going to be like, I said, wow, this is going to be a lot of reading. And again, I said to myself, I just don't see myself doing that. And, you know, just by chance, I ended up in the high tech field as a result of working in some political areas in Washington, D.C. And Mm. in very early years, I went to work for a small company called Oracle. And from that day forward, my life has been in high tech. Got it. We had Jenny Chang on the podcast a few weeks back, and she was thinking that she was going to be a lawyer too. And little did she know that she'd go into product at Salesforce. But yeah, landing at Oracle in those days, that clearly sent you on an amazing trajectory. It did. It did. I will tell you that Oracle really gave me a great foundation in understanding how to sell, how to manage customer and partner experiences. And it also taught me, you know, what I should look for next. And I will tell you that I've been very blessed that I've had a very, very good career with some great companies and some great mentors. So let's talk about that. You know, looking at your background, you were the VP of the Americas at Symantec, VP and GM of Americas at HP, two very well-known technology companies. But I really want to focus in on the last four years because you've had an incredible run. You know, you were the COO of Zscaler starting in 2014, took the business through an IPO earlier this year, and most recently the president and COO of Duo Security, which as we all know had an incredible exit acquired by Cisco for, what was it, just under $2.4 billion, not too shabby. Yeah. So been a great last four years, been a great career, but the last four years are outstanding. I want to hear more about these two successful outcomes and, you know, your role in making that happen. Yeah, what I will tell you is that, you know, first, it was critical that the foundation was built on those companies of the Oracle, the Symantex, the HP. There were so many other companies in there also that I had the privilege of being a part of and part of those journeys. And they taught me a lot of things, whether it was scale, how to manage hiring, how to lead people, how to create, you know, agreements cross-functional organizations. You know, so I will tell you that those companies were very good for me, but I will tell you the last couple of years with Zscaler and with Duo, it's been a very good year. I mean, an outstanding IPO with Zscaler and then the acquisition 
you know, with Duo. And I will tell you that some of the things that really help guide those outcomes, the first one was really the team. And people talk about hiring, but I think hiring is the most important thing you do when you're building out an organization. And it's about establishing cross-functional, whether that's marketing, engineering, development, getting their input on the types of individuals that we want to bring on to that company, because that's where the culture begins. And it's important that we get that input from others so that we can build on that company. And I will tell you that that was one thing that really helped, I think, both companies was focusing on the employees. Individuals will say, no, we focus on the customer. And yes, please, customers are vitally important. They pay our paychecks. But the reality is, is that if our employees are not engaged and they're not happy and encouraged, then how can we support our customers and our partners? So it was really about putting a lot of emphasis on employees. It was putting an emphasis on their futures, putting an emphasis on how we enabled them to build their confidence and their belief, how we created an environment of a servant leadership. Those were just, you know, one of the things that I would tell you. And I'm going to pause there because there's a lot of other things that I would say were very helpful to the outcome of both those companies. But that's just one of the biggest things that we focused on. So empowering and helping your employee base develop and no doubt making sure that you're also bringing in the best talent into the business, particularly at Zscaler during those four years. Anything in particular you did from that perspective or any types of roles that you feel like were incredibly paramount to take the business to the next level during that period? Absolutely. You know, what I will tell you, the first thing was, was to make sure that everybody had a role in the journey. And it was really about explaining to them what the journey was. It wasn't one quarter or two quarters. It was three years. I still remember sitting down with the board and sitting down with the team and saying, okay, team, we're going to develop a three-year plan here. That's going to take us from good to great to world-class. And I said, and let's define what those benchmarks look like. And let's compare ourselves to other companies and see how we're doing on that journey. So I think it was important to get everybody's input on that three-year plan. I think it was also very important to focus your energy and your time and your resources on really those vital few versus the trivial many. And what I mean by the vital few versus the trivial many is things like the employees, the customers, the partners, the operational excellence, and then obviously the results. And if you really made those pillars your focus areas, you could develop plans, you could attach resources and investments to those areas. And again, it sounds like common sense what I'm talking about, but make no mistake, it's not common practice. And that's something I think that the team really enjoyed was that focus of these vital few things and then made sure that each year we were hitting those milestone markers that said, yeah, this is where we are on our journey. I love hearing about that. I think the three-year plan is so important. It's ironic right now. Actually, maybe not ironic. It's end of year, but even at OpenView, we're thinking about, okay, where do we want to be three years out? And I think it's so important, like you said, to be thinking big picture and always kind of making sure that you have your North Star as a business. And clearly that worked out well with Zscaler. How many of the goals that you sort of set forth in the early years actually were you able to achieve? Well, I'll tell you that the one thing that I'm really proud of is that you know, people use the word expectations. I use the word agreements. I think that expectations are cowardly. I think that agreements are what we need to establish. I mean, I will tell you at home, I never put an expectation on my wife. I always establish an agreement with her. It works out really well for Our me. Man. 
Yeah. And what I will tell you is that it's the same thing in work. If we can get an agreement, that means the other person is vested in that outcome. And, you know, what I'm really proud of is that the team, whether it was in customer success, development, engineering, marketing, CFO, finance, name the department, they established the agreement of what we were going to achieve. And then this way they were part of that decision. And I will tell you that there were times when we had to course correct. I mean, we might have thought it was going to take us 12 months and it took us 14 months, but there's where we learned from that process. And it's all about, you know, attacking the process, not the person. The process is what is usually broken, not the person. That's a really good point. Let's focus a little bit more on earlier 2018. So this has been an incredible year. You made the transition to Duo Security, as I mentioned before, as the president and COO. Not long after, Cisco comes in and bam, amazing acquisition there. Can you kind of walk us through that journey? Because it is a pretty incredible one. It was. And I will tell you that I was very excited to join Duo. I had the privilege of being part of the leadership team at Zscaler and a great, great journey. And I saw the same thing happening to Duo. They had the product, they had the market, they had the technology, they had the vision, and they had every possible element of a great outcome like Zscaler. And obviously, Cisco and others identified that. And what had happened was when I had come on board, literally in a very short order of time, I went from, hey, Bill, I need you to help us scale the business, you know, mature the business, get us ready for an IPO to, you know, we're going to go into due diligence mode. And, you know, I will tell you that it was a bittersweet for me because, one, I was very happy for the shareholders and the employees of the company that had, you know, derived an outcome. But at the same time, I saw that my career was going to come to a conclusion because, you know, I did not want to be part of a bigger company. I wanted to be part of a smaller, more robust journey like a Zscaler duo. And what I will tell you is that it's very good for duo, a great outcome for the company and the employees and the customers and partners. But for me, it was best to to look at other opportunities. And that's what I've been doing. And whether it's board opportunities or additional operator roles, we'll see. Yeah, the story is a little bit reminiscent of a conversation that I had had, had with Joe Sexton, who was the head of sales for AppDynamics, right? They were planning on going public and, you know, in the final hour we're acquired. And it's always interesting when that happens. It seems like it's happening more and more where someone comes in in the 12th hour and puts a bid in. What happens is that I think companies start to see the level of seriousness that these companies are having that they are going to become public company entities because they go hire public company CFOs or public company CMOs or public company COOs or presidents or individuals that have been public or have taken companies and they say, "Uh uh-oh, you know, we better do something about this before this company gets too much strength Mm -hmm. and then we're not able to make them part of our journey. So I do see these larger companies saying, you know, there's an opportunity for us to do, you know, aqua hires or tuck-ins of their technology. And the good news is it's good for the larger, more established companies, but it's also very good for the companies that are being innovative and growing quite dramatically. So no doubt that over the course of your career, you've been involved with the boards of your companies, right? Absolutely. Um, I would love to hear more about your involvement, engagement, and role with the board, particularly in companies like Zscaler and Duo, and what they did to help support the business and really kind of help both businesses get to that next level. Boards are so important. And I will tell you, I was very fortunate to have incredible boards at both companies. The board members were engaged. They were active. 
They were curious, very creative, very collaborative. You know, I will tell you one of the things I was most proud of is that each one of the members of my team, I established board mentors. So I went to every member of my direct reports and I linked them up with a board buddy. And I said, hey, I want you to spend time with this board member on a quarterly basis when they come in for board meetings. I want them to be your board mentors after doing 360s on them because I wanted to make sure not only did I make a connection for my team with the board so that they felt like the board was not something that was in some dark conference room, but at the same time, I wanted the board to feel like they had an interest in the company on a day-to-day basis and they actually could understand some of the challenges and opportunities that my team was bringing forward, not just through my own voice. So those board mentors were incredibly helpful. I started to do the same thing at Duo up until the point when we got acquired. And I'll tell you the other thing that the board did a real nice job of at both companies is really challenging the status quo. I mean, it's very easy when you go you know, 14 quarters in a row of making your number for people to say, well, you know, hey, they've got this figured out. And the board was always constantly looking for, hey, what's the next thing? Or, you know, what can we do to continually improve? And that challenger posture, that growth mindset was something I really appreciated from the people that helped us. What was the dynamic of those boards? Was it sort of part investor, part operator, more investor-centric? And what's your perspective on the right balance or what makes for a better board? I think that a board really needs to have many different flavors on the board. Operators, your investors, financial, technical. And that's something I think that I had the pleasure of both companies having. I had individuals that were just financial wizards, I had individuals that, you know, technology-wise could challenge our development and engineering roadmap. I had individuals that had been operators in previous roles, so could really had a lot of empathy for some of the things that we might have been dealing with, either at a growth level or even at an area that we needed to invest in. So it was nice to have that cross-section of individuals that, you know, weren't one flavor of background. Was there any, if you look back on some of your earlier days and then working with specific board members, was there any advice that really kind of stood out to you that you think about time to time and that you feel like really kind of helps you in your business decision making now? I've had the pleasure and opportunity to have a lot of great mentors in my career dating back to Oracle. And these were individuals from varying backgrounds, from business to political to high tech to whatever. And I think the advice that they gave me, number one is, Never believe your own press clippings, you know, really get curious about what's the next chapter look like. They were also very good at looking at what was going to be over the horizon because, you know, they didn't have to look at it day to day and quarter by quarter and week by week. They were, you know, pushing to say, hey, let's make sure that we always keep our eye out there over that horizon. So that's something I think a lot of the mentors in my life have been able to do, and especially the board mentors. I think that's good advice. Don't get too comfortable. (laughs) No. I would love to hear about when you started contemplating joining boards. And I'm trying to understand, was it a conscious decision not to be joining too many boards while you were at Zscaler and Duo, where you just hyper-focused on your operator role and trying to make those businesses successful? Can you take us through that at all? Yeah, it's exactly the reasoning why I did not go and really pursue aggressively board opportunities. While I had interest and while I let people know that I would be open to it, I had to focus on the mission. 
And, you know, when you're in a very high growth scaling opportunity, you've got to focus on that mission. And it doesn't mean that you couldn't go and do board opportunities, but I didn't want any distractions because the Zscaler shareholders and the Duo shareholders, you know, deserved my 100% attention. So I made sure that I spent as much time giving that attention to them. And now that I'm no longer in that operator role, now I can look and say, okay, maybe there's opportunities for me to do board opportunities across the cybersecurity or other industries. Yeah. So let's talk about that. When you left Duo Security, you got really serious about exploring board opportunities. How did you go about that process? Who were you networking with or how were you networking? And how were you really kind of focusing in on, okay, this is the right company for me? And you mentioned security, but beyond that, just like stage of growth where you feel like you could have the greatest impact. I think that the first thing before you even think about joining a board or contemplating joining one is to have two or three successes underneath your belt. And that was something that I wanted to make sure of that, you know, I had the foundation in order to be credible, to be able to talk to somebody about what it means to take a company public or scale a business, or even in the case of a Symantec or HP, you know, be able to say, yeah, I understand how to run a $2 billion revenue line. So it wasn't just about scaling IPO companies. It was also about, okay, once we pass a certain threshold, how do we get to that billion or $2 billion threshold? So number one, it was about getting the experience and the credibility. You know, as I started looking at joining boards, the biggest thing I did was really just reaching out to individuals, you know, whether it be at OpenView or whether it be at trusted advisors, of venture capital firms or investment firms or other leaders in the industry or CEOs that I knew or chairmen of boards to say, you know, what is the process I should go through? Who do you know? Where do you think I would add the most value? I've talked to customers. I've talked to partners. You know, it's really important to get vectors of information from all of them. And then really from a perspective of where I think I'd make the most impact is obviously the operator role background is something that I have a lot of experience in. And it's really about looking at companies that are probably in that, you know, B stage, going to C, ready to maybe possibly go public in the next 24 to 36 months. You know, I don't think that I'm purpose-built to be on the board of a very large company. I think that I'm more purpose-built for being on companies that fit the profile of a Zscaler or a Duo or somebody like that. I'm so excited in the news that you are joining the board of Logical, one of OpenView's portfolio companies. would love to hear more about how you're preparing for your role. Obviously, with Logical being in the legal technology space, it optimizes the e-discovery process for both large brands and law firms. A little bit of a new thing, right? But also goes back to your roots of wanting to be a lawyer back in the early days. Yeah, I got really excited about Logical for so many different reasons. One, obviously the investors. Two, the executive team, including the founders, you know, Andy and Chang. I mean, really, I think that where they're headed is exactly purpose-built for the industry. And I did have the pleasure when I was at Symantec of acquiring a company called Clearwell, which was in the e-discovery space. So I have a little bit of an understanding. And what Logical is doing is really innovative. And that's, you know, really the evidence of that is you just look at the results that they've been delivering. They've been delivering some world-class enterprise deals that they've captured. I will tell you that 
I think that where they're headed is exactly my background is their ability to help them as they, you know, develop their go to market. I think that, you know, having a relationship with Andy and that team is going to be really fruitful for both of us. So I'm very excited about Logical. I'm very excited about the privilege of being part of that journey. And I'm really excited for the company. I think that the company has just a really good opportunity in front of them based on the decisions they've made over the last couple of years. Yeah, we couldn't agree more. We're huge fans, obviously, of Logical and Andy and the team that he's building over there. So congratulations and so happy for Logical. I mean, they've got a great new board member in you, and I'm sure you're going to be a great uh, board member, but also advisor to Andy and the team as they go through this next period of growth. Absolutely. And I've had on my calendar multiple, I guess you could say, sessions with Andy that he's asked for. And, you know, I serve at the pleasure of the board and at the pleasure of Andy. And I know my role and I've said to Andy, I'm here to serve. And that's my tagline anyway. So I've told him anything I can do to help Logical advance their agenda, I will. And I'm excited about it. That's great. And it sounds like you're the ideal board member in that sense. I would love to ask you one final question. Given how influential you have been in building the boards at your most recent companies, what advice do you have for a CEO who is building out his or her board for the first time, right? At expansion stage and thinking about how they want their board to look over the course of the next couple of years. What type of execs, type of culture, would love to hear your advice. I think you touched on the one word that I would reinforce is culture fit. Making sure that the board members fit where the company is going. They fit with the values and the traits of that company. They fit with the mission. They fit with the CEO. Because I think, you know, those individuals are really establishing the future for the shareholders of that company. So I think it's important that there is, you know, agreement on where they're headed. I think that the culture fit, whether it's, you know, a servant leadership posture, whether it's making sure that there's differing backgrounds, as I stated before, I think having individuals that have financial, technical, operational backgrounds, you know, you want to have those different flavors on the board so that as you tackle some of the issues and challenges and maybe problems in front of you, you have individuals that have been there before, done it, or have a point of view. And I think that if you can create that tapestry on your board, it will be a great outcome for the shareholders of that company, which is really the most important group that we are serving. Well, I have really enjoyed hearing about your story today. It's been a great run. I'm so excited about this next chapter and you are joining the Logical Board. Thank you so much for your time and congrats on everything, Bill. Thank you, Devin. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you're listening to podcasts these days. And please give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Outside of podcasts, we produce content daily on OpenView Labs. You can also follow us on Twitter at OpenView Venture and subscribe to our newsletter that's sent out to over 100,000 SaaS operators every Saturday morning by going to openviewpartners.com forward slash newsletter. Until next time.